This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. It is another edition of Phillies today. I'm your host, James Seltzer. It is Thursday, July the 30th. As we trudge along another day without Phillies baseball, we got three of them and that was fun. And uh, apparently, so here's where we stand today as uh, as we head towards the weekend. We had hoped that the Phillies would be back in action tomorrow on Friday against the Blue Jays at home, though at home in quotes, as it is a series that will be played in Philadelphia. But the Toronto Blue Jays will be the home team as their stadium in Buffalo, not ready to roll yet. So they will be the home team in Philadelphia. They just did that with the Nationals yesterday. The Nationals ended up winning in 10, a non-walk-off at home, which is uh, you know wild. We'll get to see some of that in Philly this weekend, but it will not be tomorrow. So Major League Baseball has pushed it to Saturday. Uh, in order to give the Phillies five full days before um, being tested again. Again, we all know that the incubation period, at least far, as far as we know, can last up to 14 days. But for the most part, the, the majority, the vast majority of cases present themselves uh, for testing in a five-day period. So, as of now, the Phillies have gone two full days of testing with no positive tests back yet other than the clubhouse staffer who was working in the Marlins clubhouse over the weekend. So, so far, so good. Again, we don't know, though. Uh, There was news that yesterday another Marlins player had tested positive. So now 16 players, 17 players in the Marlins have tested positive, which is unbelievable, but also shows you that, you know, it can be delayed a day or two or three or whatever in terms of those test results coming back. So we are not out of the woods yet. Again, it has been positive Assuming things continue to progress on this line, the Phillies will be back in action Saturday at 3.07 for a doubleheader against the Toronto Blue Jays and then again on Sunday. And it looks like the way the schedule will shake out with the Marlins still in a, a purgatory of sorts, not knowing when and where they will play. The Phillies were scheduled to next week go down to Florida after the weekend series against Toronto. Well, that's not going to happen right now. I think we can all assume that. It looks like, according to Aaron Boone of the Yankees, the games against the Yankees will be made up next week. So the Phillies and Yankees, Monday through Thursday of next week, it looks like it'll be two in New York, two in Philadelphia. So the Phillies, assuming, again, and this is a big assumption, an important assumption, but assuming that the testing keeps trending the way it's going, assuming that no Phillies players come back positive, which, again, would be a 
miraculously awesome ending to this specific little drama here in this specific moment. Again, the the ending for the Marlins is still being written and is a, a disaster. But for the Phillies, being on the field with a team, half the guys end up testing, more than half the guys end up testing positive for COVID-19. If, and again, it is an if, we are not out of the woods, but if it did not transfer on the field from the Marlins to the Phillies, that is Tremendous news for baseball and for the viability of this sport to finish its season. Again, if we can find a way to contain any sorts of outbreaks within clubhouses as opposed to transferring team to team, that's massive. I mean, that's really huge. Now, now teams are still going to have to act like adults, Florida Marlins, Miami Marlins, stupid Marlins. Like Teams are still going to have to act like adults and not put themselves in danger and thus their teammates in danger. But if... If it is less likely to spread from team to team, and and again, this is just one case study, one data point is not a definitive thing. It doesn't mean that if this situation presented itself again, where a, a team was, you know, ravaged by COVID and playing a series against another team, that it doesn't mean that it wouldn't transfer that other team. Um, but it is a possibility, and um, right now, watching how this plays out is a, a, a really important data point for the Bills. And look, I think the Phils. And Matt Clintack talked about this yesterday, and it's something that I said when it happened in the moment. Um, but it seems like the Phillies, compared to other teams, have done a really good job of taking precautions and following protocols, partially as a result of the outbreak that happened in Clearwater. And that was something I said like a month ago when we were talking about the season coming up and you know the COVID aspect of it. I actually thought that, and no teams are at an advantage and all that, but I, you know, did. It's so tough with with this stuff where it's like the phrasing, like because there are no advantages, there's no silver linings, there's no good coming out of this. But when you're just talking comparatively, um, I did think the Phillies were better set up to handle this stuff because they had had that outbreak in Clearwater. They saw how fast it spread. They saw what it could do if people are not being careful about it. And Matt Klentak said yesterday that, that was something that helped the Phillies. That that was something that has has helped them prepare for it. I'll get the exact quote, but Klentak and and this is. Something that I said at the time, I said at the time, I said, I'll bet you this is something where the Phillies can learn from this. The Phillies can be out in front of this. Um, you know, I, I thought it was a uh, not a, a good thing, but something where at least organizationally they should be ready for it. Here's what um, Clintac said. He said, uh, I feel really good about the way that the Phillies players and staff have followed protocol. Just because you feel good about something that's happened in the past doesn't mean you can take your foot off the gas. In some respects... Having gone through our own outbreak in Clearwater in June, that may have helped us prepare for what's going on now because we had the opportunity up close to see how quickly something can happen and to implement some of these more restrictive protocols. I don't know what the alternative may have been, but we may have had some kind of a head start. Uh, yes, like seriously, I, I was. it was really interesting to hear him say that because, again, that was a theory I had back when it happened. That was one of my thoughts, and, and you never know, it's just hypothesizing at the time, but I thought, hey, if this team is going through this now prior to the season and seeing, look, five, you know, players, two staffers, whatever it was, seven players, two staffers, whatever it ended up being, you know, and see it like spread like wildfire through that Clearwater, you know, small group of guys who were there, that maybe it would show the Phillies, okay, like, look at this. This is how this happened. This guy got it from here. We could do this. We could do I just thought that it was some sort of a, a head start. And and it looks like Clintag agrees. And I think that's a fascinating thing. And look, I think it it certainly couldn't have hurt with this whole Marlins situation that that more Phillies players were wearing masks. That 
the Phillies were being more smart about social distancing, all that type of stuff. I mean, this all matters. And uh, and it's why the season is, uh, you know, in such a precarious spot. And look, it's not a precarious spot in the sense that, like, you know, it's, it, we feel it's so magnified here in Philadelphia because, again, as we've talked about, we played three games and our season has been on pause since. But everyone else is playing baseball. You know, <laughs> like the Marlins and the Phillies, the only two teams not playing baseball last night. Now, the Nationals will take the weekend off because they were supposed to play the Marlins. The Yankees, the Orioles missed a couple games because they were supposed to play the Phillies and Marlins, respectively. But um, the rest of baseball's plowing ahead, playing baseball. And and for what it's worth, you know, in the last few rounds of testing, there have been no positive results other than with the Marlins. So um, this situation is is it is shown the fragility, I think, of this this season. You know, it's shown how how close we can come to the edge. And again, like, just to reiterate, if this Marlins thing had spread to the Phillies, if the Marlins had spread to the Braves when they played before and there were outbreaks on other teams, then we're in a much different situation here. You know, then this is a, oh, no, can this season really go on type of situation. And, and like I said it yesterday, but it's true. But, like, if it were the Yankees or the Cubs or someone who this was happening to and not the Marlins, I think it's a big, a different story to begin with. Because you're the Yankees, the Dodgers, you're talking about teams, let's say those two teams, who are the World Series favorites coming into the season. And then that changes. Like, I do think the fact that the Marlins are a franchise that no one thought was going to compete, a bit of a... You know, not a joke of a franchise, I don't want to say, but a joke of a franchise. You know what I'm saying. Um, you know, I, I think that it happened in the Marlins. It's it's easier, it's more palatable for a lot of people, for a lot of fans, for a lot of baseball people to to say, all right, well, they weren't going to win the World Series this year anyway. Their season wasn't going to have, quote-unquote, meaning in the same way as some other teams. So I think it might be easier for them to push forward. I think it would have been a very different case study if this had happened to the Yankees and not the Marlins. But, again, to the point of... I do think the Phillies have done a really good job of, of trying to prevent this from happening. And, and again, if it had transferred, it's a much, much, much different story. Luckily, it didn't, it has not yet. And again, we're not out of the woods, but it is not yet. Hopefully, if the if negative tests keep coming back, we're going to see some Phillies baseball on Saturday. And then we're going to see an a AL East. We're going to see a bunch of AL East games in a short time. Six AL East games in five, or excuse me, seven AL East games in five days. Uh, in six days. Get it right, Seltzer. Six, seven... Stop talking. No, it'll be uh, it'll be a uh, six-day run, seven games. The two on Saturday and then straight through through Thursday against the Blue Jays and the Yankees. So that'll be big. The Blue Jays are playing good baseball right now. Nate Pearson, their rookie yesterday, was freaking awesome. One of the top prospects in baseball. And you could see why. Painting the corners at 99, breaking stuff was just pretty nasty. So um, probably someone, if you look at how this shakes out, if they play the weekend, there's a chance they see Pearson unless he... Gets held to Monday. Actually, they probably won't see Pearson because uh, yesterday was Wednesday. So we're in good shape. No Pearson. Yay. Yay. Um, but then you got to go to New York. So it is what it is. And Garrett Cole pitched last night. So that means you're definitely seeing Garrett Cole Monday or Tuesday in New York. Probably Monday. So there's that. All right. Uh, Corey Simon, good article. Because we're just talking about the influence of what is happening right now. And there's more stuff to get to. Uh, definitely got to touch on what happened with the Dodgers and the Astros a couple nights ago. We didn't get to it yesterday because, you know, dealing with all the ranting about the Marlins, who I am still mad at and still think deserve to be punished and all that type of stuff. But um, the aftermath of the AL East, uh, uh, um, the aftermath of the Marlins COVID outbreak uh, will drastically alter the NL East in 2020 is what Corey Simon says. It's a good article. I just want to touch on a few of the things um, that he mentions here because we've kind of touched on them, but but the impact of it. So three, he starts the article, three of the five NL East teams will be shut down at points this week, as we've discussed about, goes through. 
Um, you know, the, the situation with the Nationals off this weekend, the Phillies being shut down, the Marlins not playing all week. He says, less than a week into the season and things have already been thrown off drastically. If you weren't a believer before, MLB could get through a 60-game season, dot, dot, dot. Um, he goes on talking about health and the importance, but then talking about it will be impossible and pointless for the Marlins to make up all the games they lost. They will have to replace half their roster, and some or many of those replacements will be players who wouldn't otherwise be in the big leagues in 2020. Why even make them play doubleheaders? Every team that does play the Marlins over the next few weeks will be playing the equivalent of a minor league team. No, the Marlins didn't have a juggernaut roster before this, but they still had mostly big league quality talent. The Phillies, if they only lose four games, will either have to make them up down the road or finish with 56 games with their record interpreted based on winning percentage. What then if the Phillies tie in winning percentage with another team for playoff positioning? Does the tiebreaker go to the team that played more games? It's a great question. Even if circumstances outside the Phillies' control result of them playing fewer games. MLB previously announced there'll be no tiebreaker games this year. Head-to-head record is the first tiebreaker when applicable. All right. Um, Girardi talking about it said, uh, after thinking about it, I think this could happen with more, more than one time with an organization. If everyone doesn't play 60 games, that's all right. We want to get to the playoffs. If a team plays 57 games, go by winning percentage to take playoff teams. Um, and the article goes on to kind of outline, you know, the, the other effects of this. And, and it is true. It is a, uh, a unique situation where, where, you know, you're expecting to play 60 games, but it might not be feasible in the time you have. And we could have a situation. Look, the Marlins are not getting to 60 games. I think we can say that with, uh, with a lot of confidence. The Marlins will not play 60 games this year. The Phillies likely won't play 60. They might. I mean, they might find a way to make up those four, but it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. I guess it's, yeah, there will be four days worth of games. I don't mean, I mean, that's tough. We'll see. Unfortunately, it would have been nice if they just canceled the games against the Yankees. Philly still have to face the Yankees, frustratingly enough. Um, but it's going to be a weird season. You know, this is, it already is. It's an understatement of the century, right? Um, I do think that, that, you know, this is one of those things where, you know, if you were in on this season happening, I think, we all came in, or at least you know, if you listen to me, that I came in saying uh, that I felt this was a asterisk season to begin with, that I was looking at it as purely fun and not anything that I was going to put any legacy or history to, that I wasn't even going to call whoever wins the quote-unquote World Series this year World Series champion. I would think of it as, hey, they won that weird thing that happened in 2020. An accomplishment, no doubt, and, and in some ways, a, a great and different accomplishment, considering all the, the forces that are at play this season, as we've talked about many times, the mental fortitude, the mental toughness it takes to get through this is, is an achievement. It's an accomplishment. There's, there's nothing that can be taken away from that. But it's not a World Series title. It's not, a, it's not you know, quote unquote, it's just not. It's not the same thing. And I, and I think that that's playing out. And... You know, I think as we see all this stuff happen, all that, you really have to be willing to say, put my hands up. I'm okay. Whatever I get, I get, because that's where I'm at. I'm just hoping they finish the season. <laughs> you know, just finish the season. Whatever I get, I get. 2021, we'll do it again, and we'll hopefully be able to do it right. You know, that that's really the way I look at it. I'm, I'm just embracing what we're getting, because if not, it's going to drive you crazy. It's going to drive you crazy. And look, I get the whole... You know, should they be playing of it all? Because, I mean, again, like a Marlins team is over half the guys have, have COVID. And we don't know what effects that has on them, their families, their long-term health. I mean, we don't know any of that stuff. It, it's, I get it. But I am of the mind that if baseball and the players 
and everyone involved was willing to take the risk, as it seems clearly like they are and, and are getting paid for it and all that type of stuff, then then I'm willing to to take the ride with them. You know what I mean? I'm willing to say, all right, well, you guys are willing to take the risk. I might not feel comfortable about everything that's happening, but but I'm going to enjoy what you're giving me. I'm going to not make you guys taking that risk be in vain, right? I mean, like, what's the point of them taking that risk if we're just going to be like, oh, this is stupid. You should shut it down. I'm not going to pay attention. Like, that doesn't work. Like, they're taking a risk. I appreciate the risk. I think it is important to a lot of people to have sports back, to have baseball back. Should they have done a bubble? Probably. That's what we're saying. But they didn't. And, you know, we just hope for the best. And, um, again, I you know, safety has to come first. MLB has beefed up their safety protocols. They're adding coronavirus compliance officers. Jeff Passon with an article about that um, on uh, ESPN.com. That was fascinating. The fallout is only beginning, he says. Um, talking about it, uh, going through and saying that MLB is beefing up. Their protocols, a wide-ranging investigation into factors of teams' behaviors, mask wearing, social distancing, all that type of stuff. I mean, it shouldn't be that hard, in my opinion. Just you know, wear masks. <laughs> you know? uh, he says, some elements of the protocol are unlikely to change, including testing. Currently, on-field personnel, including players, are tested every other day via sample. sample. Saliva sample. Saliva sample. Not an easy one, but I got it. Saliva sample. I could do it. I could speak. The sample sent to the Utah lab, blah, 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 so on and so forth. Um, uh, he says larger changes to the MLB protocol could be near. With the league now having postponed games, there is a precedent, sources said, for pausing play at the first sign of an outbreak. If it's evidence of a cluster could be forming, one official said the league could stop play for one team to get a better sense of how penetrative the virus has been. Um, going on, he said, uh, the talking about the adherence to protocol has been a point of contention, which we've talked about here on this show, the idea that players are... I, look, again... I was watching the Rockies and uh, the Rockies and the A's yesterday. High fives, high fives, high fives. I'm watching the Blue Jays and the Nationals. High fives, high fives, high fives. Okay, so we'll see. We'll see if they're gonna actually put that stuff in. But but again, like that's what Major League Baseball needs to do. Like look at the situation where like enforce your freaking protocols. Don't put Rob Manfred on TV talking about how strong and good your protocols all. No one's following them. I can't. I can't do that again. We know how we all feel about this. Um, but just just don't high five. Don't spit. Don't do this stuff. And guess what? Find players if they do. This is a pretty simple scenario. Find them till they stop. All right? Like, do what it takes. What are we doing? What are we doing? Is health and safety most important? Because if it is, act like it. All right. A couple other things we have to get to today. Um Mentioned that the Phillies were playing a doubleheader on Saturday against the Blue Jays. One thing that Matt Klentak told us yesterday is a possibility is that they could play seven inning games for a doubleheader. Now, apparently, this is something that the Players Association is surveying and might be interested in proposing to the league. Um, it seems like there's kind of mixed reception among the players in this uh, ESPN article, AP article about it. Um, some people are in favor of it, but, um, you know, Joe Madden is against it. He says, I don't think it's necessary right now. Um, but some other players are, are for it. Adam Adovino said he, he was against it initially, but um, he said he says he doesn't like it. He likes 9-9 nine nine personally. He doesn't want to be marginalized out of the game. Once we get a seven-inning slippery slope there, that makes sense for a reliever. Who would say that? But then um, 
you know, there are other people who are interested in in doing the seven inning doubleheader. And and I get it. Look, from a one season only perspective, I have been very um, willing to be like it is what it is. The runner on second base in in extra innings, not a fan of that. But for this season, fine. And I, I fall in a similar place with this. I don't like it. If it were up to me, I would just say play nine innings. I mean, we're talking about an extra what half an hour, hour tops total. Um, it doesn't feel like it's that big an ask. I know that you know. There's a lot of factors here, but I, I and I get it from Adovino's point, and it does feel like that is my one worry with this weird, unique season that that things are going to transfer over. Like they're going to say, all right, well now the second base thing is a a, a thing forever, and now this seven inning doubleheader is just the way we do things. I worry that they're trying to set a precedent. I think that's what Adam Adovino is talking about with the slippery slope. I worry about that a bit, but ultimately I do think that. I'm I I will accept it for this year. I won't like it, but I'll accept it. I think if this seems like a a bit of an unnecessary one, I get it. But for me, I would prefer they just play nine. But we'll see. Uh, it's certainly worth paying attention to. As again, it's um it's a fascinating thing. It would be a big change to Major League Baseball and really change how you know kind of how the f- sport feels in a lot of ways. You know, certainly from a uh, from a you know. Um, Again, nine innings is baseball, so it's going to be unique. But um, uh, again, I I would vote against it. But if they have to do it for this year, fine. Just get through it and do it. But again, I uh, I'm not a huge fan of this one. All right, quickly before we get out of here, and tomorrow we will dive into actually talking about the Phillies games coming back. You know, like looking at pitching matchups. What's going on with the Blue Jays? What's going on with the Yankees? Look at those matchups. All that good stuff. It's going to be, I don't know, fun to actually talk baseball. Um, I'm sure there'll be other stuff we have to get into because I'm sure it'll come up. But quickly before we get out of here today, I didn't get to it yesterday and I meant to. Um, but uh, I think if you're a baseball fan, you know that uh, Joe Kelly, a couple nights ago in the Astros Dodgers games, throws behind the head of Alex Bregman. I did not like that it was up in the head region, but I'm totally understanding of Dodgers players wanting to throw at the Astros. I think we all are. We all get it. Um, but uh, then gets into a jawing match with Carlos Correa. The bench is empty. There are no punches thrown or anything like that, but it was a, a bench clearer, as they say. Um, and then Joe Kelly uh, received a suspension from Major League Baseball. An eight-game suspension. So, as many have pointed out, if the in a 60-game season, an eight-game suspension would be the equivalent of, wait for it, a 22-game suspension in a 162-game season. Do you remember the last 22-game suspension? I don't, I feel like it's always five. What are we doing here? To to borrow a common phrase I've said this week, really? Look, I get they're trying to send a message, don't throw at the Astros and all that, but this is BS. The fact that Rob Manfred, and I get it, look, you don't get the information without giving the players immunity, so I get it, but the fact that no Astros players get punished at all, zero games, and then Joe Kelly gets eight games, equivalent of 22 in a season for throwing at them? Are you crazy? Rob Manfred is the worst commissioner in the history of sports. Like, that's where I'm at right now. He really is. I mean, think about it. Has overseen the the biggest cheating scandal in 100 years in his sport. Has overseen the unbelievably disastrous handling of his sport during a pandemic. Like, the fraudulent leadership that that man has shown has been an embarrassment to his sport. He is a national embarrassment. He is being called the cardboard cutout commissioner. He is a joke. And then this is just extra, extra, extra joke. I mean, you got to be kidding me. A 22-game suspension for all intents and purposes? Really? In a normal season? 
You give people five. And look, don't get me wrong. Joe Kelly was not right to throw anywhere near Bregman's head. Like, and I think got away from him. I think he was going for the back, and it just kind of lifted. But still not okay. Never okay. Never okay. Just never okay. But a 22-game suspension in, in a 162-game season is is absolute. It's a travesty, especially when you consider why he was throwing at him. Now, Joe Kelly, for his part, with a just magnificent response on social media, goes to Instagram and uh, tw- uh, puts a picture. It's of him, and it looks like it was a picture of him holding his three kids, uh, two babies and a kid next to him, but he has imposed Carlos Correa, Jose Altuve, and Alex Bregman's faces on the kids and wrote, Hey, guys. With the suspension I received from Major League Baseball and and tagged them for my action on Tuesday, I'd like to apologize to absolutely nobody. The Astros are hiding in their dugouts because I'm suspended. Just wait till I get out. Hashtag free Joe Kelly. Hashtag Joe Kelly Fight Club. So on and so forth. for you joe a perfect response perfect because you know what it is a joke and i don't blame you i mean those guys cheated and cheated and cheated and cheated and uh you know i i don't blame him and i get that you have to set up resident camp teams throwing at them all year but this is the dodgers the team they beat in the world series i i get it and uh i don't i don't again don't throw anyone's head but i get it um what a response so that suspension way too harsh especially considering what you've done in the past all right tomorrow we will hopefully assuming Tests come back good, and we're all good. We're going to talk a little baseball. We're going to preview a weekend series of the Blue Jays. We're going to look ahead to the week after. We're going to get in some Phillies action, look at the rotation, how it's going to set up, all that stuff, and then we'll obviously continue to cover what's going on. So until then, stay safe, stay healthy, and thank you for listening to another edition of Phillies Today right here on the Phillies 24-7 Network. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.